Hey everyone, and welcome to the Age Sister Podcast. Today I'm joined by April Tarot. April is one of those amazingly high energy, kind, and lovely people that I've recently welcomed into my life. And um, she just does so many amazing things. But the, the crux of April is that she really lives to empower women. And she's been doing that for over two decades. So as a midwife, she empowered women through the biggest transformation of their life, their transitions into motherhood. But April's also an experienced coach and facilitator who really inspires her community. She's also committed to this continuous process of leveling up and she's built her entire life around this principle. And trust me, you can really see this in April when you sit down and have a conversation with her. Um, but what you really want to know about April today is that she has studied extensively the magical side of her sexuality for over 20 years. She's combined all those talents into the Sacred Sisterhood of Sexuality, which is for female identified people to witness and encourage each other to explore their authentic sexual selves. So mm. welcome, April. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It's so exciting to be here. I'm excited. This is going to be one of the juicier episodes. I know it. <laughs> Let's talk about the juice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, you know, with all of this kind of varied background and all these amazing things that you've done, I'd really like to understand how did you get to where you are today, the work that you're doing today with the Sacred Sisterhood of Sexuality? Yeah, it's really been an amazing journey to get me here. And I really feel like the Sacred Sisterhood of Sexuality is kind of a culmination of my entire life all put together in one package, which is, and I'm just so honored of the value that I provide to women to be able to explore their sexuality in a safe place. So how did I get here? Long story. So um, I've been in healthcare for 20 plus years. I was a midwife for the past 10 years. And I loved being a midwife. It was a calling for me to be able to be with women through the whole journey of their pregnancies, labor, delivery, postpartum, to really hold space for them, to empower them, to make choices that are best for them, to have that science background, informed choice, all of that together to really hold space for women through such an amazing, miraculous time. It was such a huge call and I love, love, loved it. I was a great midwife. My clients loved me. It was just such an honor and a privilege. The problem was is that healthcare is not the healthiest place to be, to work in. And it was quite toxic, so I had to leave. So um, uh, it was a huge heartbreak for me because it was something I loved. I had given a lot of my life to it. Being a midwife is like, it's not a job. It actually is a calling. You're on call 24 seven, you know, your sleep is disrupted. Family events are missed because you've got to run and be at a birth. So it's, it's quite a high stress job, which I didn't mind, but the bureaucracy and the behind the scenes stuff was really toxic. And that's why I had to leave. And it was such a huge heartbreak for me. And I knew that I had to do the work to, to really, um, heal that and to grieve losing that career because I did love it so dearly but it just wasn't good for me so um in that healing journey what I realized what was the biggest heartbreak for me is I thought because being a midwife was all about empowering women and that that was my job was to empower women that all of us as midwives would stand and empower each other and that wasn't the case, unfortunately. So what was really missing for me and what was the biggest heartbreak for me was, was that I didn't get that sisterhood, 
which I thought I was going to have. That sisterhood of really strong women to really support other women, to support each other. And I didn't get that. And I was like, that was probably the piece that I, I grieved the most was just not having what I thought I was going to have. And so I was like, oh, well, how do I create my own sisterhood? So that kind of started the wheels rolling of, hmm, what could I bring to this? Like, what could I create that would provide value that people need? You know, what would that look like? And through lots of, you know, reflection and some creating some magical spaces and just really opening up and asking questions, I came up with the sacred sisterhood of sexuality and I'm loving it. So um, I've also been a coach for 15 plus years. So it's like, okay, I've got this coaching background. I've got this, you know, empowering women, the, the health side of sexuality, the, the anatomy, like I know the anatomy inside out and backwards. <laughs> a friend recently tell me, you're actually probably the perfect person to do this. And I'm like, why? And she goes, well, how many vaginas have you touched in your life? <laughs> I was like, good point. <laughs> So I'm intimately uh, familiar with the variety of vaginas that exist in the world because they're all so very different. Um, plus, I also know how to hold space and talk to people about really intimate subjects. Like during pregnancy, people talk to me about everything and anything you can imagine. They come to me and talk to me about. So, um, so there's that whole aspect of the midwifery, the coaching, and myself. I've been on this amazing journey in sacred sexuality for 20 plus years. So. I was married young. I got married two weeks after my 21st birthday. <laughs> I was young. young. Um, you know, and went through the newlywed stuff and had great sex life. And it was all beautiful and fantastic. And then hit the, you know, four, five, six year mark. And wasn't so exciting anymore. And I'm like, hmm, there should be more to this. Like there's, there's, there's got, there's got to be more to this. It was great and it's okay now. I mean, most of us, I mean, how many of us are tolerating a mediocre sex life? 90 plus percent, I'm sure, of us are tolerating a mediocre sex life, right? And I always knew there was something more possible. So I went on my own journey looking for it. And I found sacred sexuality festivals. And wow, mind blown. Like, there is so much possible. And so, so yeah, so I've been studying that for 20 plus years and loving that journey. And so when the pandemic hit and I had just, you know, chosen to leave this career, uh, what am I going to do? And so what really, what happened was that all my festivals got taken away from me, right? Because COVID can't, we're not going to be meeting in big groups or anything like that, especially being in, you know, intimate circles and that kind of thing. So um, I just, I didn't, I knew that I loved my festivals, but I didn't realize how much they were a part of me. Like I didn't realize how integral they are to who I am. So when I didn't have them, it, it felt like my oxygen was cut off. Like I was like, like there's four festivals a year that I go to pretty regularly. And mm -hmm. the fact that I didn't have them was like, what? And so when I started talking to people about it, they were like, what, what are you talking about when you say sacred sexuality? Like, what does that mean? And I forget that the rest of the world doesn't live in this paradigm that I live in of, you know, sex is a beautiful thing and let's explore it and let's make it magical and let's make it sacred. And how do we really embrace all of that? So, um, so what I realized was that I'm, I can really help people coach them about who they are sexually, all the stuff that's gotten in the way. Cause let me tell you, there's so much stuff that's gotten in the way of our sexuality to really be able to explore openly and freely and like with wild abandon in a safe way that's, you know, <laughs> scientifically safe and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, I was like, what a great idea. So I just kind of, I created, 
I hate saying I created it because I don't feel like I created it. I feel like it was given to me as an idea. Like I really feel like, I don't know if you've read Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. It, mm-hmm. Amazing book. And she talks about how there's these beautiful ideas that are floating in the ethers and it'll come knocking on your door and you've got to either open the door or it's going to go find somewhere else. And I really feel like it's one of those. It's like, I just opened the door and phew, it came in and I just get these messages and I just go with it. So I really don't feel like this is my work in any way, shape or form. I just feel like I'm perfectly situated to be the messenger and to really be the one to open the door and create that safe space for women to come in and to really explore these really intimate issues that need to be dealt with because nobody's really talking about it and nobody's dealing with it. So here we are. So you're a midwife once again. You're birthing something again. Yeah, what's really neat is that um, so I'm I'm uh, so I have a six week course that I teach, and I'm in a in the process of I'm in the middle of one of those right now. And one of the um, participants said to me, she goes, "April, it's like you're midwifing all of us to birth our new selves again." And I was like, "Yeah, I am. That's really awesome." So to really, it's to me, it's just such an honor. So I bring women into the red tent, hence the red tent behind me. So what's really fun is that it's all virtual because you know of COVID and everything. So um, everybody has a red background that they use as a virtual background. So it feels like when we meet on Zoom that we're all actually in a red tent, which is really kind of cool. Um, but uh, so we meet in the red tent, and the red tent to me is a sacred space. So it's a place where we come, we open up circle, and we talk, and we make it safe. And um, yeah, it's really been amazing to to see the transformation that happens when you bring women together, create a very airtight space. Like, my, I have boundaries, and they are very clear, and all of us promise to the agreements, and we give our word to it, and it's like, that is sacred. You say it in sacred space, therefore it is so, and we all hold each other to a higher standard. And it just creates this amazing space where we can all just kind of lift each other up together while dealing with our own stuff. So it's just, I'm I'm just so honored. I like pinch myself that I actually get to do this. And it's just so beautiful to see that transformation of women to begin to look internally and look at what is in my way of really enjoying my sexuality. Because there's a lot of stuff, a lot mm. of stuff in the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I walk them through a seven step process. A seven-step process of, okay, where is it I want to break through in my life? All the way to having that breakthrough and having a whole new paradigm alive and well in their life around sexuality. And I take them through that whole process. So it sounds like it's almost bigger than sexuality, that there's a bigger sort of purpose to all of it as well. Well, just between you and me, yes. (laughs) I like to tell them this is a process you could use in any area of your life. But I do know that it's like... What blocks you sexually blocks you everywhere, Mm. right? And so let's deal with those because it's going to explode in other areas of your life too in a beautiful way. So when you can really get rid of the shame and the guilt and the, the negative beliefs we have about ourselves, especially around sexuality, when we can really let those go, like there's no stopping us. Mm. Sounds amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the Age Sister listeners, a lot of them are women in midlife. And, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about you and your work as a midwife going through this really transformational time in people's lives, I think around midlife is another big transformation for a lot of women. How do you think things are different in terms of the work that you do for women in that age group? Such a good question. Most most of the clients I have, most of the women that come to the Red Tent are definitely 
mid 40 plus, I'd like to say. Mm -hmm. So um, it's actually beautiful. And I love that we're all coming together at this point in our life. It feels like, you know, a lot of us have, you know, the kids are grown. They don't need as much attention now. Um, so we have more time to focus on ourselves and we're all kind of at a point where we're like, okay, I've taken care of everybody else for so long. It's time to start focusing on me. And that's what I love. I, that's what I love about midlife. That's what I love about all the women who are in the tent. It's like, okay, it's time to start working on me. I've done my work. I've, I've paid my dues. I've taken care of the kids. They're, you know, self-sufficient enough. You know, it's, it's time to start focusing on me. And that's what I really love is that the women are coming with a whole new attitude of, my turn now, which is, mm. which is great. Um, and of course everything starts changing midlife too, right? Like our hormones start changing menopause is around the corner. How's that affecting us? Even myself, I'm going through some perimenopausal symptoms now and it's like, Oh, vaginal tissue is a lot different. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Gravity is taking a hold of internal organs. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> This is affecting my sex life and my sex life is very important to me. It's one of my top priorities. It's one of my, my biggest self-expressions. And so I, I've got to figure out how to navigate this and how to do it in a wonderful way. Now I have an amazing partner who I have created a relationship where I can talk like very clear, very straight, like, dude, more warm up, slower warm up is needed. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm just not a 20 something anymore, right? Like it just doesn't, our bodies just don't work the same as they did. And that's beautiful. And how great is it that our bodies are actually telling us slow down and enjoy the process more? Cause really that's what we should have been doing all along anyways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so much juicier and so much more exciting when we slow down and get present and really focus on our bodies and focus on what's happening and just feeling and sensing and being in that moment as opposed to, you know, when you're having sex, it's like, oh my God, what has to be done? Oh, I didn't get that done today. Oh, I've got to get this done tomorrow. Remember to do that. Okay, remember to do that. Oh, put this on the laundry list or the, the grocery list. Yes, that's a, oh yes, we're having sex. Yay, honey, that was great. <laughs> right? Which, I mean, how many of us have done that before, right? So it's really beautiful that our bodies are actually forcing us to slow down forcing us to be more present, enjoying the sensations more, because that's what our bodies need. And really, I think it's better that way anyway. So yeah, did I answer your question? I don't remember your question. We're going all over. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting about this, I don't want to get too political, but obviously there are a whole bunch of things around womanhood in general mm -hmm. for all mm -hmm. women of all ages. I just wonder what you see commonly as some of the roadblocks around, you know, getting to this place with the women that you work with. There are what so, gets in the way? There are so many that are so common. Um, so in doing research for the Sacred Sisterhood, I interviewed a whole bunch of women to ask them a million different questions to find out kind of what I would come up with. A hundred percent of them, every single one of them said something along the lines of, well, if I only lost X amount of pounds, I'd feel sexier and I'd enjoy it more. Mm. What? No, I don't care what size you are. You can totally enjoy your sexuality. What size you are, how much fat you have, what shape you are. None of that, none of that is relevant to enjoying your sexuality with or without a partner. Like what? I mean, the sacred sexuality festivals that I go to, there is every, and I mean every body shape and size present. You name it, they're there. Short, 
rotund, short, skinny, tall, skinny, tall, rotund, like you name it. And they are all enjoying their sexuality with freedom and however they want to explore it and, and enjoy it. So yes, weight is a definite one that has creeped in from our culture of you have to be the perfect size. I don't even know what the perfect size is anymore. Two, four, I don't know. Zero. Uh, my 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 daughter is adopted and she's Asian and she's a double zero. I'm like, how is that even a size? I mean, but that's just her genetics because she's a petite Asian, right? So how is that even a I've never even knew that was even a size. I wouldn't, how can we have a size that's called double zero? That means she doesn't exist twice over? <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. So all of that messaging that we've gotten from our media, from our culture of you have to be this size. If only I weighed this, you know, much less or only five pounds less, I'd feel sexier and Blech. So that's something I really, we, we definitely talk about in the red tent and where did that come from? And is it true? Is it not true? How do we let that go? How do we not let that affect us? Cause really, and there's, I mean, there's people on all sides, even not even just losing five, 10 pounds. If I gained five, 10 pounds, cause there's people who can't gain weight and they feel that they're too skinny. So they can't be sexy. It's, it's insane. We're never perfect enough to feel sexy. There is no perfect enough to feel sexy. Take that out. Just be sexy. Just enjoy our bodies. Enjoy the pleasure. Enjoy the bliss. Enjoy the ecstasy that's available on our bodies. Mm, that's such a great message in general, right? Just in life. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. Mm. So maybe, um, April, you could tell us sort of three takeaways. I think a lot of women, you know, it's obvious to a lot of women, some of the health topics that I talk about, you know, getting more exercise, eating better, getting enough sleep, but sexuality is not one that we talk about very often. So <laughs> if you could get out three kind of key messages, what would you say to women who are listening? Uh, well, the first one, the one we just talked about, I don't care what size you are, you can be sexy at any size. So give that up now because it is not serving you in any way, shape or form. That's one. Another big one that comes up a lot is um, I'm broken and need to be, there's something wrong with me. Mm. I hear that all the time. And I, it's, it, it, where does that come from? I, it's like my body doesn't work properly or I don't know how to do it properly or there's something in that realm of I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, uh, I'm not sexy enough, whatever that is. My body is weird shaped, whatever. There's something in there that you're broken. You're not broken. It's just, it's a conversation. Like whoever sat you down and said, this is what sexuality is all about. Here are the joys of it. Try this, try that, try doing this, try doing that. Like that's just not how we're taught. Like most of us may have gotten the talk when we were, you know, young from our parents. And that is penis goes in a vagina, causes babies, put a condom on it so you don't get sick, you don't get a disease and you don't make babies. And don't do it. <laughs> right? Like, that's that's one talk we got and then we talk to our friends who also don't know any more than we do but pretend to know more than we do so then we kind of like think we know what we're talking about but do we really then we fumble into our first experience and i mean fumble because we neither of us really know what's going on try a little this try a little that and then especially in today's generations we find porn mm. now porn is a double-edged sword there is some good things about porn but i i think it requires a really healthy 
perspective on porn, which our younger generation does not have. So they look at porn and it's like, that's what sex is all about. That's what it's supposed to be. They don't realize that it's made for a 98% male audience for the male visual cortex that is stimulated, right? So men are stimulated visually in general, not all the time, but mostly men are stimulated visually and that's what porn is for is for that 98 percent stimulation of the male visual cortex it is not what women that's not necessarily what turns women on right and especially the way they have sex in porn it's like get to the good stuff go 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 orgasm woo you know the end shot and woohoo that's it right so we think that that's what sex is supposed to be and that's what makes it good so let's pretend to be porn stars and do it like they do. And then what happens is that's what happens. And the women's like, I don't really enjoy that. I, I, but of course, you're not going to speak that because then, oh, my God, there must be something wrong with me. If I don't enjoy what they look like they're enjoying in the movies, then there's something wrong with me. And then women just give it up. Forget it. I don't want I don't get any joy out of it, forget it. And the guys are like, well, I don't know, because they're never taught how to please a woman. They have no clue either. They think that the porn is what the answer is as well. Does porn have its place? Yes. Could it be stimulating? Yes. But you need that kind of perspective of, I'm not going to take my parenting advice from, I'm going to date myself now, The Sopranos. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, your audience will get that too, right? Like, I'm not going to take my parenting advice from The Sopranos, so why would I take my sexuality advice from porn? Right? Mm -hmm. It is entertainment and it's meant for entertainment. It's not reality. So really, where do we learn about our sexuality? Where do we learn about how our bodies work and, and how the hormones work and how the whole interplay between oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine and, oh, nobody tells us that. I mean, I learned that because of school, but you know nobody told me that like what how do i how do how do i mucous membranes on mucous membranes causes lubrication oh really that's how our mouth doesn't go dry hmm could that have anything to do with sexuality probably (laughs) but nobody teaches us those things right so it's why mucous membranes on other mucous membranes causes more lubrication oh what good thought Like things like that, that just, you know, aren't common knowledge. It's not something you talk about on a regular basis. So really, as women, we are left with this, I must be defective and broken because I don't get this. Hmm. And to me, that's so sad because it's like there's so much possibilities there. I mean, if you think about it, sexual energy is the most creative energy there is in the universe. It creates life. Hmm. That's what it's meant for is to create life. Hmm, what else can that energy be used for? I mean, I use sexuality for deep, deep healing, deep healing. I've had the most amazing healing ever during sacred sexuality rituals. Things that I had no clue could be could be healed in one ritual, done, gone. Wow. Because it works on so many levels. It works on a physical level. It works on an energetic level. It works on an emotional level. Have you ever had an orgasm that's so intense that you end up crying? And then what happens? Oh my God, I'm crying. I shouldn't be crying during sex. That's what they don't do that in the porn. There must be something wrong. <laughs> like, what, 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 and stuff, 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 stuff. No, that's a beautiful opportunity. There's something in there that needs to come out. Those emotions want to come out. Your body is releasing energy. Allow that to come out. Talk about it with your partner that this could happen and it's okay. You don't have to shut it up. You don't have to like wipe the tears away. Right? It's like, this is a beautiful healing that can happen. And we just shut that down. Mm-mm. Sex is to have orgasms or to have babies. And that's it. Mm. No, <laughs> there is so much more possible. 
Wow. I'm going on and on and on. Was that at least three takeaways there? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I think after listening to this, a lot of women are going to want to know, how do I learn more about this? How do I get in touch with April? You know, how do I get involved with their work? Can you tell us about that? Sure, I've got lots of opportunities. So the next opportunity coming up is the Empowered Sexuality Summit. I am so excited about this. Um, so I, uh, May first is uh, in the in the pagan spiritual world, old Celtic region of the world. Um, May first is Beltane, and that's celebrated as a sacred sexuality festival. So it's a it's a festival to celebrate sexuality and fertility. It's where bunnies and eggs come from around this time of year. Um, why? Because bunnies have lots of sex. <laughs> and eggs bring fertility, you know? So um, anyway, so May 1st is a celebration of spring, celebration of sexuality. And I'm usually at a festival around May 1st because of that. And of course, we can't during COVID time. So I thought, hmm, let's bring together lots of really great speakers and help people rev up for Beltane. So why not? So the Empowered Sexuality Summit happens the week before Beltane, so April 26th to May 1st, um, culminating with a live event on May 1st. I'm going to bring all the presenters into the red tent, and we're going to red tent and people can watch us. So we're going to have all these sex educators together (laughs) and talking about some really good, juicy stuff, and people get to sit in and watch us have that lovely discussion. So so yeah, so the summit is free. Um, I'll give you links so that you can put it in the show notes so people can come. 23 different speakers over a week, lots of really great workshops. I've got a kissing clinic. How much fun is that? I've got an erotic chocolate tasting workshop. Um, uh, 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 Transactional love versus intimate connected love, like some good heavy stuff, some really light fluffy stuff. Somebody creating a masturbation ritual. Like (laughs) I've got some really fun, fun workshops that are going to be so great. I'm, I'm excited for them. So 23 speakers from all over the globe, Philippines, the UK, the US, Canada, all of us coming together um, and just really giving some really great, great content. So that's one thing I'm super excited to give. I'm looking forward to the workshops. I know everybody else is going to love them too. So um, I'll give you links in uh, in the show notes for that. But otherwise, uh, I guess the easiest way to get a hold of me is Facebook. Look up the Sacred Sisterhood of Sexuality. Ask to become part of the group and that'll get you to my website and all of that other stuff. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, April, for joining us today. I just loved having you on. You're so welcome. It's so great to be here. And thank you for the work that you do, Kate. It's so important to learn how to age in a way that is empowering and fulfilling. And it doesn't have to be like, let's not have, let's not feed the narrative that when we get old, we should be put out to pasture. It drives me nuts. Like we really need to embrace the wisdom of our aging. I mean, in the, in, in the pagan world, we have croning rituals where we celebrate a year and a day after your last menstrual cycle. Um, we have a big a big ritual where we celebrate you becoming a crone, which is the wise woman, which is the sage, which is, you know, the woman who has the experience. And it's it's a beautiful ceremony. And I just wish more of us really celebrated and, and, and celebrated our age and our wisdom because it's a, you know, it's a privilege afforded to few, not many. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, thank you for the work you do too, Kate. Thank you, April.